keep on docking in the free world. As Neil Young once said when he was hosting a dinner party and everyone sat down to watch Supersize Me, this is the Documenteers podcast where we discuss and review documentaries. Our show with you today, we're getting back into the 30 for 30 side of things. Drew is with me and we will be discussing the film Muhammad and Larry by Albert Mazels and Bradley Kaplan. Now, Muhammad Ali, he'll always be immortal in our hearts, but he did lose some fights. And this is about a fight he lost fairly badly. It tells you that up top if you don't already know the story. Check out this film, and directed by Albert Mazels, one half of the Mazels brothers who have provided legendary works in the documentary field. More on that within the episode. There is a mix on atrax.com created by dr eugene fudge you can look him up on there regarding this film muhammad and larry it's a a nice blend of r&b funk soul some golden age rap Uh, one of my favorite mixes so far and all these songs take place around the time that this film originally took place 1980 late 70s early 80s r&b waiting on a 10 track playlist for you at atrax.com just look up dr eugene fudge Inspired, of course, by the documentaries we watch and our shows about the documentaries we watch. I've been told by a few people that their reviews are not showing up in iTunes, and I'm not sure what goes on there. I think things kind of go into a review status. If anyone wrote some hardcore Werner Herzog erotica, I don't know. Maybe we'll never see it, but but maybe try again, or maybe it'll show up. Nonetheless, thank you so much for your support. And it's very nice. And it is appreciated. But yeah, if you have not done so, give us five stars on iTunes and any other podcast player you use. And that's really all we need, folks, to move this forward and build an audience. Help some brothers and a sister out. And now on to this film by the legendary Albert Mazels and Bradley Kaplan. 30 for 30s, Muhammad and Larry. Now, here is a motion picture film, A Thousand Feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Now knock Holmes out. He don't stand a chance. We got a ways to go there. Right now, we're just... Not even at stamps.com level. <laughs> MailChimp. We're not even at MailChimp. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's up, Docs? That's Docs with an X. In association with the Center for the Documentation of Documentaries, a nonprofit that documents us documenting documentaries. And can make a hell of a mixtape. Yes. If you go to atrax.com, you can see mixes for every show that we've done so far, including this one right now. I mean, I always knew that scientists could get down, but yeah. damn. And Keith, uh, he who transcribes all our episodes, he's sitting right there, quiet. That makes sense. Let me tell you, Angela hates the CDD. One, she thinks it's stupid, a stupid idea. I've heard the same. That they exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one opinion. 
I signed a contract and they're here. She doesn't like them in the house. She doesn't like the concept of their existence. And she's made it very clear to me <laughs> that it's dumb. <laughs> but we are discussing our, what is this, our fourth 30 for 30? The fourth episode of 30 for 30, but our fifth since we had our special Super Bowl extravaganza. That's right. We did the two bills, which all of our episodes are free to hear. And this one, we're doing the 30 for 30 of Muhammad and Larry. Thanks for inviting me back here into this amazing podcast studios. Thank you. Stuart was making fun of it, said it was made by a child. <laughs> the construction permits. I mean... I appreciate it. I think it's a hell of a studio that I can never remember the name of. Shamco. Every time I come here to record episodes for you. Just going to continue calling it The Podcast Studios. So it's nice to be back. Thanks for having me in here to talk 30 for 30s. Maybe Stuart thinks it's childish because of that trucking in the USA 90s fair prize. A painted mirror. This is with, some of the magic right now. With a monster truck on it. It's hanging. I think I won that in a fair if you Chicago. popped a balloon with a dart, you earned that damn picture. you damn right I did. No, I was never going to get the Rasta banana, but I did win a small paper-framed mirror-painted picture of a monster truck that says trucking in the USA on it. And they can never take that away from you. And we are trucking in the USA. With this film... I can tell you're a professional. <laughs> with this film, Muhammad and Larry, by Albert Mazels and Bradley Kaplan... Albert Mazel's might be the biggest documentary royalty that we've covered so far. I was going to ask you about that as more of a sports-tuned person and less in the documentary of documenting documentaries world. I've heard this name before. It's come up a few times. I know these, um, these Mazel's brothers have done a whole lot of stuff. They're pretty well respected. Do they have a specific style that we need to know going into this? Does this... Well, we've already watched it. We're reviewing it right now. The style, as far as the old footage and the way it's put together, is pretty apparent. That pretty much is it. They're known for movies like Grey Gardens, which is a very popular documentary about Jackie O's weird shut-in relatives. Gimme Shelter, which is probably might be my favorite rock doc, which is about the Rolling Stones and the incident in Altamont where... People stabbed the fuck out of each other and shot each other. Well, they hired Hell's Angels to do security. Uh, some of the best lines. Man. When that is a good doc. It is a good All doc. Right. No wonder I'm on board with these mazels. David, I think he probably helped Albert with the footage back in the day, but Albert could not sell this to CBS at the time. It was just, they didn't really know what to do with it. Muhammad Ali was much later in his career. But finally, after all these years, with the help of Bradley Kaplan, a few modern interviews that we see in the film that I don't think bog it down too much. But as far as that old footage and the way it flows, you can thank uh, Albert Mazels. But he and his brother David did make a very important mark on documentaries, American documentaries. So this one's Muhammad and Larry. Did you know that Muhammad Ali didn't win every fight ever? I did. Yeah. If they don't bury the lead at all in this one, they cut you straight into the footage of Muhammad Ali just getting his ass beat. People are discussing a fight that is being described as an abomination. It's tough. It's tough to go into this and watch it and see that Muhammad Ali had retired on great terms. He beat Leon Spinks. Then he retires. It's a good ending for one of the greatest champions of all time. And look, we're talking about the heavyweight division when the heavyweight division was absolute royalty, when it mattered so much. Boxing, especially the heavyweight division, 
was one of the top things that people would talk about when you're talking about sports world. This is a big, big deal. Ever since the Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield days, the heavyweight division especially and boxing as a whole has gone way down in American conscience. And with mixed martial arts, that seems to be drawing a lot of shine off of it. We're not hearing about it as much as we did when we were kids. But we have tried to bring it back a little bit. There's been some push lately. We've got some of the better fights in the heavyweight division that we've seen in years. Some of the biggest push. You've got Anthony Joshua, who's a great champion right now out of England, who's been galvanized in that country. And then the American Deontay Wilder setting up for this big, huge unification bout with Joshua. It's a good time to get back into this because we're, we're seeing this a little bit. Again, casual sports fans might not be totally back on board, but this is a big deal. It's kind of the best publicity and the biggest news that the heavyweight division has had in years. So going back and watching something like Muhammad and Larry, when you know the, you only have to say the first names, it's good to see. It's good to see something like that and remember that how just how huge this was. We're seeing footage of Ali getting beat, and he's not going down, and Larry Holmes, who he's fighting, is crushing him. We see his trainers and his managers. They're not talking very highly of this particular match. No, it was completely one-sided, totally unfair. Ali had been retired for two years when this fight took place. And that's retired for two years. He was already, you know, a bit old, past his prime. But he had that fight against Spinks that he won, which he retired afterwards. Again, a, a nice way to go out. Would have been a good bookend of the career. But two years later, he gets offered $8 million to fight Larry Holmes, who is the champ at this time. He's I, got the title. I'd let Larry Holmes beat my ass for $8 million. Apparently, Ali thought the same thing. I mean, that's a whole lot of money when we're talking right here. Larry Holmes got $2 million to defend his title against Ali. That's the pull <laughs> of Muhammad Ali. The champion. Being retired for two years, hadn't fought, <laughs> thought he was done, gets four times as much money as the champion to go into this fight. And look, Ali's still Ali. He's got so much guts and everything. He does not go down in this fight, despite it being utterly one-sided. We see Ali. He's praying at a mosque. He's every bit as confident as he ever is or is displaying all the confidence that made him famous, along with being a badass boxer. He knows people are asking a lot of questions about this match, and he's saying people like to be puzzled. And then he quotes uh, Star Wars and Jaws and monsters flying rocket ships, a colorful way of talking about things. But we also see that Ali, you know, a lot of the footage we see of Ali is in his prime. We're looking at the history and what he stood up against. We're seeing a young Ali who can be really frustrating in the ring. What Maisel's captures here, when we see him on a personal, a little bit quieter level, at least for Ali, is that he's not looking as prime. He's definitely older. And you can kind of tell that in his two years of retirement, that as far as at least for boxers go, he's looking a little softer than what we're used to. I feel like we should say first that the way they do this is they go right into the fight at the beginning of the documentary right? and show Holmes just pounding on Ali for a while. And they were friendly. They knew each other. Larry Holmes was a sparring partner early in his career. And Larry wanted to stop this fight multiple times, but Ali wouldn't go down. Larry was begging for a TKO. And the big unspoken thing that you're thinking while you're watching this is knowing later in life brain damage. And you're watching Ali just take hit after hit after he'd been retired for two years. It makes it a little hard to watch as re as much as you respect the man for even in this fight, not going down. He never does go down in this fight. But what the documentary does is it shows this fight footage and then it takes you into the build up to the fight pre fight. So that's where I'll, it's got the interviews with Ali and Holmes and everything. The lead up to this fight. 
but they already spoil the ending. Ali beats Leon Spinks on September 15th, 1978. You mentioned Spinks earlier. It's a rematch at the Superdome, and Ali had lost to him seven months earlier. But he wins, and as you stated, Ali announces his retirement. Years later, Ali is offered gobs of money, $8 million to be exact, to fight Larry Holmes. It's two years after that fight. We see a camp. We see rocks with boxer names painted on them. This is the big deal boxing camp that they go to. Was this in Pennsylvania? This is weird to me. It looks like summer camp. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a log cabin, weird little summer boxing camp. And there's just kids all around and people watching. It doesn't look like, you know, serious training. It's not the Rocky gym or something. Mm -hmm. It's It's a log cabin summer camp. There's dudes walking around holding towels, coming to massage your body. Yeah, and a ton of little white kids just sitting around watching, yeah, having a great time. Holmes trains in PA. We see him and his wife. They have a, an adorable kid. Our King's Ransom episode, I said that I was an above-average sports fan. As we're going through these, and I'm realizing how little I know about a lot of stuff we're talking about, I think I might have to knock myself back down to average. Well, that's the point of the 30 for 30s also, is that they'll go into detail on a certain subject that most people might not have known. And that's what makes it so cool is getting this in-depth thing on one certain story for an entire episode. And that, again, to me, that's kind of the point is to bring to light some of the, the things around the story that, that people might not have gotten before and realize what made the headline that every sports fan knows. The film is capturing Larry's personality very well, like straight off the top. Larry Holmes is not a guy that I had ever heard of before I watched this movie. I couldn't have told you that he was the champ in the early 80s and late 70s. I mean, I know who Muhammad Ali is. I know who Mike Tyson is in the classics like your Sugar Ray Leonard, George Foreman. But I could not have told you much about Larry Holmes. I would have thought that that sounded like a boxer's name. I think the best I could have done was guess that he was a boxer. And I would say that this is kind of the best part of this documentary. And maybe even its main point is that Larry Holmes was not just a boxer. He was a great boxer. He was a champion, and if he hadn't fought in the era of Muhammad Ali, he'd be remembered as one of those absolute greats. Where he is in Pennsylvania, he's an absolute legend. His name's on the signs. He was a big-time champion. But he did get this flack for beating the hell out of an old Muhammad Ali, who was absolutely universally beloved at this point in his career. A lot is stated about how he's essentially in the shadows of Ali being a champion. He is champion, But everyone remembers Ali, who was before. And he's kind of looked at as someone who is definitely overlooked in boxing history by your average fans like myself, which is 100% true. But what about Leon Spinks? No one's talking about Leon either. He was champ for a minute. He was a good boxer, too. But this is fun because it gets to show Larry Holmes' personality as well. We all know Muhammad Ali was this great showman and this huge this huge personality. I mean, you're watching this and every word out of his mouth somehow sounds like a poem. I don't know how he does it, but every sentence he says has this cadence and flow to it and these real flowery metaphors. It sounds like a poem, everything he says. But Larry Holmes, he seems like a really fun guy too. Yeah, a very down-to-earth fellow as well. We see Ali training. He's sparring. One of his trainers, his last name was Spawn, I believe, he points out to Ali that he's getting hit a lot. Or he's letting himself get hit a lot. He says, why are you getting hit so much? And Ali says he wants to get used to being hit. June 9th, 1978, Caesars Palace. Kid Norton versus Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes wins. Afterwards, or sometime afterwards, my timeline's a little confused right now. 
Two million is offered to Larry Holmes for an Ali fight. Sylvester Stallone was there. I saw him in the audience. He also appeared in King's Ransom in the audience there. I have a feeling Sylvester Stallone is going to, that's a name that's going to pop up a lot on our episode. You're going to tie these things together with some sly. I think Sylvester Stallone is the thread that's sewing all these 30 for 30s together. Ooh, deep theory. I like this. I also liked our introduction to Larry Holmes, which is him chilling in his car, singing along to a song about himself. I'm going to play something for the cousin. Oh, yes, it's Larry Holmes, and the feeling's right. Oh, yes, it's Larry Holmes, oh, what a bite. Larry Holmes likes listening to songs about Larry Holmes (laughs) that are like weird, weird owl parodies. (laughs) If people made a lot of songs about me, I'd probably listen to them, too. Make people listen to them, at least. You're saying you haven't written any already? About myself? Yeah, maybe to the tune of uh, MacArthur Park or something. That's a good idea. (laughs) I'm probably going to get started on that tonight. We see Holmes. He's building a home. He's making that money. Larry Holmes. What? He's talking about how he's not as trotted out as other boxers. He's kind of a bit more of a homebody. And he's making a lot of money, so he's building a very nice house. But he's not like these other boxers. He wants to go home to his wife and kids. His wife says, nobody talks about Larry Holmes. This is the wife at the more current footage. Points out that the filmmakers who are there, she's like, you're the first people that have come along in a very long time. This is kind of bumming me out a little bit because Larry's also pointing at his little his little wall of fame in his house where he's got trophies and his, his accomplishments, his belts. You're talking world heavyweight championship belts. Yeah. Major, major awards. And it's just kind of like on this nightstand in one wall of his house that he's showing to everybody. Oh, Larry, I mean, my parents put up bigger things for my little league trophies. <laughs> but the thing is, in that little case, is things that people have trained all their lives for and have never achieved. Larry's a big deal. Yeah, he is. Let's be clear here. One of the greatest boxers in history. No, I didn't know much about him, but sometimes I do some surface research on these movies after I watch them. He really is very undersung in the history of boxing. And even going into this fight, there's this little this narrative. Again, Larry thinks he's going to win this fight. He's the heavyweight champion. He knows Ali hasn't fought in two years. But the public is firmly behind Muhammad Ali. He's got the name recognition and everything. But Larry Holmes also used to be—Ali was his boss. Holmes was Ali's sparring partner. There's kind of this, this wanting-to-earn-respect thing that Holmes has. It's coming from a very deep-rooted place. He wasn't expected to go that way. He didn't have the publicity. He didn't have the push. Now he's got the title belt, and again, he's making a quarter of the payday, as Ali is. He wants to win this fight. They were friends, but he wants to beat Ali also. He's a boxer. That's what they do. It's really something to prove for himself. What's so great about this documentary is where we get to see just all this behind the scenes of Muhammad Ali. Because again, everything he says seems like a poem. He's entertaining. He's always on. This guy is always on. Today, he would probably be the best rapper in the world. Just everything he says comes out of his mouth with this entertainment value. He's doing card tricks with the kids at this little boxing summer camp thing where he trains. He's just always entertaining somehow. He's signing every autograph he possibly can, showing him magic, (laughs) just going on and on. Whenever anybody asks him anything, it'll turn into this free-flowing statement. Yeah, he is like this almost old-school rapper at the time. Maybe Curtis Blow might have something to say about it. But at the time, he might have been the greatest rapper. He's a hell of an entertainer. 
We'll say that for sure. Every scene he's in, whether he's laying on his back getting a massage, which seemed to be a inordinate amount of the scenes, <laughs> he's still just talking. He's and he's funny, just always on. Must been must have been so difficult and so draining. I get tired just watching that being entertaining your entire life. Ali does seem tired. What he's saying is classic Ali, but you could tell the look on his face seems like that his body is understanding his limitations. Larry, we see him also sing a, another song about himself. <laughs> oh, listen, people, I'm Larry Home. Let me tell you how I have grown. I could watch a whole hour and a half of Larry just singing songs about himself. Are these Larry Holmes songs anywhere online? We're going to need to look this one up later. Get a, a little mix CD. I hope the Center for Documenting di- whatever's that are yeah. making those mixtapes found some Larry Holmes songs well, on there. I'm sure Dr. Eugene Fudge <laughs> is working real hard. Larry also, let's address this elephant in the room. Is Larry the inspiration for the Mike Tyson voice? I think that's just a voice that comes about when you've been punched a lot. <laughs> oh, is that how that works? Yeah, I think uh, you just can't help it. <laughs> Larry talks about his project home. It's not cut up into a footage of like little Larry. It's what I like is these interviews in this movie. There are people sitting in a room, the more modern context of people looking back. But a lot of the stuff, particularly that, you know, that Maisel shot is they're talking about themselves, but they're in motion in their environments. And I really appreciate that. He's talking about his project home. Claims there was no racism where he lived. Maybe. I don't know. It seems like the idea of any place not having racism is uh, quite the daydream. But Good for you, Larry. Uh, something else that might have helped that is that he could probably kick the shit out of anyone who talked to him. That's true. No one was racist against you, Larry. The filmmakers talked to Drew Brown, and he is, I believe he's a trainer with Larry. And the dude is not into being filmed. He's very wary of the filmmakers asking questions, and he's asking about how these two boxers feel about each other and how what does Larry think about Muhammad Ali. And he's like, I hope you're enjoying yourself. They hate each other. Isn't that what you want to hear? He's talking to the camera, but he has this look like, I just wish you'd go the fuck away. Yeah, who was this guy getting all worked up over this? <laughs> he's Larry probably seemed perfectly happy to talk as much as he could about this. <laughs> I guess he's just uh, maybe resentful in a way. Who knows? Because Larry's getting put down, and he's a guy that he knows works his ass off to be where he is, just like every other great boxer has. And like you said earlier, seems like just a real genuine guy. Maybe he felt like he was defending Larry in that moment. I like another theory that we get thrown in in this documentary, where they mention that one of the big parts of having this fight in the first place might have been that it was a little bit of a Vegas scam going on. Oh, yeah. The fight takes place at Caesar's Palace, and everybody in the know, even watching Ali train and bluster and everything, they know he's a bit old, and he's fighting Larry Holmes, who's in his prime as the champ right now. But if you're betting this fight, who's not betting for Muhammad Ali? <laughs> he's Again, this People part understand. of his career, early in his career, he was super divisive. But at this point, late in his career, he's almost universally beloved. Pretty much the greatest boxer of all time. And he's coming out of retirement off of a win. Everybody's betting Muhammad Ali at this fight. Except for maybe those who really understand the nature of the sport of boxing. But yeah, other than those people, everyone seems to be really gunning for Ali to win. And they make a quick mention of that at Caesars, that they're taking in so many more bets on Muhammad Ali. They have an usher who's interviewed in this who says, yeah, who 
who would bet against Muhammad Ali? Like, you'd have to be a real asshole to bet against Muhammad Ali right now just because of the story, not even thinking about the actual competition on the line. He did so lose. Vegas the, rakes it in here. Well, he did lose to Leon Spinks once. That's how they got the rematch for him to get his title back. Everyone just loves Ali, and that's the point. Everyone's and he's just, coming back when they they all thought they'd never have a chance to see him again. And a lot of people at this time have have been around to see the civil rights movements and things changing over the years, and knowing what Ali represented to that. For him to win would validate all the hard work that a lot of people put in over the years in terms of where this country would go. But uh, Ali... the way the fight goes. <laughs> Not at all. Ali's at the camp. He's talking to the kids. The kids love Ali. And he's, uh, and he's showing off his great personality. He's a master entertainer. These kids love Ali almost as much as they love short shorts and high socks. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a clown with my crown, says Ali. And he gets the room... A Roland, the best entertainer in boxing history, has got to be this guy. I don't know how like witty Jack Dempsey was, but there was just not a lot of film cameras around when he was <laughs> when he was kicking. I it. don't think he was rhyming like this. <laughs> but they capture both personalities so well. We already we already knew about Ali's personality, but Larry's is I feel like right up there. I'll never forget him watching this movie. And what type of person he is. He's got a little bit of ego, as you would being a champion. But he's also seems to be such an easygoing guy. Ali's doctor is discussing the declining symptoms of Ali. The things that are going to get in the way of him being very effective in a boxing match. Uh, Ali goes to the Mayo Clinic for evaluation. Apparently, he couldn't quite touch his nose. His reflexes have slowed down. And these are common side effects of a boxing career. But you'll always have the state of Nevada, Drew, to declare you fit to fight. And this is the part that's hard to watch, again, knowing what we know now about what ended Ali's life in his later years. You're just seeing this right at the beginning. They're saying, it, we're t- doing tests, and it looks like you're slowing down a little bit. And then he goes and fights Larry Holmes. People are being very optimistic. Like you said, the fans are loving it. and But people are also kind of dissing Larry because that's how people are. You can't love something. You have to put something else down. Can't just love. But if you want Ali to win, that means you want Larry to lose. If they'd listen to Larry Holmes songs, they'd be a little bit more on his side, I think. Yeah, totally. Larry's Night? Is that what it was? <laughs> oh, Larry's Night. Oh, what a fight. It was, oh, what a fight. Oh, what a fight. Holmes is confident. He's very confident, but he's also realistic. He's not going to walk into this thinking it's just going to be a cakewalk, even though it looks like it's going to be one. Ollie loved to play around. Doctor gives him an injection and treats him with thyroid medication and a bunch of quote unquote vitamins. His managers and trainers are like, we don't need this stuff. And the thyroid meds affect him very quickly. Those can make you sluggish. He's taking a lot of it, too. And the fight starts, and it goes awry very quickly. And it's pretty much a crap show. One of the trainers says that for the first uh, first couple of rounds, they thought, maybe. No, he's just taking hit after hit after hit. He's not avoiding anything. The, the float like a butterfly part is not happening. And he doesn't even have a chance to sting like a bee. He's just getting hit, and he's defending. But he's not going down. No. that's a th- He never goes down. He wouldn't quit. It doesn't get better. They said that Ali yelled out when he took a, a body blow, and the trainers are like, oh, God, this is just 
going too far over the edge. Larry wants a TKO very badly, and when he's not getting one, he's just trying to finish it. All that old footage of Ali, he was always very good at blocking punches. He let, plays that in to this match. He's not winning it. He's taken a lot of hits, but he's able to push him out just enough to stay on his feet. And again, this is somebody that Holmes respects. They were sort of friendly. He wants to stop the fight a few times, but he, when he realizes that Ali is never going to quit, he, then he just wants to knock him out to get it over with, to end the fight. And that doesn't happen either. Despite many protests, the fight is finally stopped by a leader of the Nation of Islam. His name was Herbert, I believe. And he says, stop the fight, and the fight stops. And immediately afterwards, Muhammad Ali's joking around with Larry Holmes. Very quickly. Look at this guy. <laughs> right after this beating that he takes, he's just joking around with Holmes again. And the two of them look like buddies. After all the crap he talked in the run-up to it, <laughs> after this, this farce of a fight, he's entertaining the people in the post-fight interviews. It's unbelievable. Everything was like an audience for him. And I kind of, re- I kind of relate to that. <laughs> yeah, he's always playing to the crowd. From one ham to another. I get it. He doesn't want this this fight to be a sad thing for anybody. He's immediately he's immediately back on as soon as it's over. Larry in an interview after the match, Larry's not bursting with pride. He actually cries because Ali was his friend and his idol, and he just had to really whoop up on on his idol. The crowd might not have known it, but Larry definitely knew how diminished he was during that fight. How his skills just weren't there anymore. How his body just wasn't reacting the way it was supposed to. You know, as much as people are like, this fight should have never happened. If Ali wants this fight to happen, it's going to happen. And he got $8 million. And he got $8 million. Oh, what a fight. And then one year later, they throw a bunch of money at him and he fights again after an entire another year layoff. And he loses to someone named Burbick. Trevor Burbick. So that's the point we're at. And then that was Muhammad Ali's last fight. And And three years after that? Parkinson's. Man. Which is a devastating condition. And it's hard not to draw some sort of line to these last couple paydays. Yeah. We see Larry still repping Easton, PA, where he's from. And he's a legend in that town, and he loves his town. And that's pretty much where we leave it. Muhammad and Larry. Now, Drew, we don't rate in star systems star rating systems. I wish I could just force every star in the sky to supernova, including our own sun. That'd be intense. And replace it with a giant Herzog glowing Herzog face. Okay, that sounds all right then. That seems to emit a lot of light, but it's very cold. (laughs) We prefer the Herzog rating system. What I will do is I will give this movie one through five Herzogs. You will give this movie one through five Herzogs a puzzle. A two-man puzzle. The easiest puzzle ever. You got a piece, (laughs) I got a piece. We put that puzzle together, and that forms our collective picture. Let's figure this thing out. In this film, Maisels, they're royalty in terms of documentary filmmaking. This may not be the most memorable caliber next to films like Grey Gardens or Gimme Shelter. Uh, Gimme Shelter director Al Maisels. Al Maisels and his brother David. All right, Al, let's go. But there is a lot of quiet moments In this documentary, I love the personal moments, the points where specifically a lot of the old footage where people are discussing their lives or singing songs about themselves, but it's always an action. They're not on a backdrop. You see Larry when he's talking about Larry, young Larry anyway, and even older Larry too. You see some of the old trainers sitting in front of a backdrop, but Larry today and Larry then, he's Larry about his town all around Easton PA. And there's something just for me a little more powerful about 
the actions of people talking about themselves because they're discussing themselves. And at the same time, you're seeing where they come from and what they represent and how much they care about where they are and what they're saying. You put this all together. And of course, we actually get a few quiet moments with Ali when he's training. You really get to see his expressions. And it's so interesting watching the doubt on his face, but the confidence in his voice. And you got to see not only the Ali's the personality of Ali that we all loved and still love to this day, you see what makes him a legend, but you also get genuine personality from Larry Holmes, one of the most overlooked boxers, next to Leon Spinks. Now, I've gone kind of up and down in my ratings on this. I think it's a very good documentary. One of those documentaries that can be very objectively appreciated by those who are not really deep into the boxing world. I got to go pretty high. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but I'm going to go pretty damn high. Ooh, you like these measles guys. I like these measles guys. I like that classic <laughs> feel that they bring. And it may seem like a trope today, but it was a lot of stuff and a lot of the way they transitioned and added things together. They are pioneers of, we see a lot of docs that rip these guys off. I'm going to give this movie 4.75 Herzogs. That's four, that's four and three quarters hertz off. You're just shaving a little bit off the perfect. <laughs> just a little bit. Now, Drew, you've heard my hot take. What's your hot take? It's really hot. I don't know if you can handle it. <laughs> We're going to disagree a little bit on this one. There are a whole lot of things in this documentary that I absolutely love. I'm going to right off the bat give it one full Herzog already just for having access to all this great video of behind-the-scenes Muhammad Ali. Just Muhammad Ali being Muhammad Ali is something that I would watch. Guaranteed, no doubt, anytime. Turn that on the TV and there's Muhammad Ali being Muhammad Ali. I'm already entertained. This guy is just so wild, his personality, and the way that he said it before, but he's just always on. He's always entertaining. He's always making it fun to be around. And the way he talks, just everything about him is entertaining to watch. So that's already great. And they have access to a lot of that here. There's a lot of stuff that you were not really seeing anywhere else. It's not highlight film type of stuff. It's behind the scenes, Ali. And it's definitely interesting and it's definitely fun to watch. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm also going to already give it another half a Herzog for how entertaining Larry is. You're stacked up against Muhammad Ali. That's kind of the point here is that this guy is an entertaining boxer. He's a great boxer. But on both of those levels, he never quite hits the same heights as a guy like Muhammad Ali. So it's a little bit easier to forget him in these kind of mists of history here. But he shouldn't be. He was absolutely great in his own right. If you're a boxing fan, you know the name Larry Holmes, just on his talents alone. But I did not know the personality of Larry Holmes. And it was real fun getting to watch him at home again, just going through his stuff. Always had a smile on his face. Was also really entertaining, but not Ali. That being said, the, I did have one big problem with this documentary, and that was throughout pretty much the whole thing, especially when it's nearing its end, I'm kind of wondering what the point is, where they were trying to go with this. Was it to humanize Larry Holmes and kind of bring him into the spotlight a little bit? Was it to make you feel kind of sad for Muhammad Ali in this way that they never come out and say it, but they real kind of lay it on thick that you feel like he was getting exploited by the people around him at the end. You know, throwing the money at him, making him get into the ring two more times after that retirement, after the Spinks fight, when it 
obviously seems to be against his own personal best interests. Again, no one was holding a gun to his head. He seemed to be perfectly happy to do it himself. But it definitely feels like they're laying that on there to make you get the idea that he was kind of being used a little bit for the glorification and the financial windfall of everyone else who was around him at the detriment of his own health. And it turned out later in life, although he ended up being an incredible inspiration for many, many years after the Parkinson diagnosis. Lighting the Olympic torch in Atlanta at the 96 Olympics is a moment I'll never forget, but I wasn't sure where where they were going with this. Those were the two things that I kind of got from it, but there was no like, okay, why did I watch this documentary? What was the story I was being told? As a guy who's pretty deep in the sports world, I already know Muhammad Ali. I already know Larry Holmes. I know how that the results of that fight, they weren't trying to spring that one on anybody. It was the very beginning of the documentary. Again, that style was pretty cool too. Having the fight footage at the beginning and then going back to the buildup of it with the two men and showing the later footage of them afterwards. So it was pretty well done. It had that great entertainment factor of two good personalities, but I never really felt grabbed or attached to the story. Wasn't really sure where the story was in this one. So I'm going to go with 2.5 total hertz. I think if you are a big boxing fan, watching this, it might just be a lot of, okay, that was fine. I think it can be an illuminating film for people who understand the nature of Ali, but no one ever imagines Ali getting his ass beat. There are a lot of people out here that don't know this story, but I think they would get a lot more mileage out of it than those who are well-versed in the story and really don't want to hear it again. That's a tough fight to watch, for sure. Absolutely. footage, you know, again, Ali, everybody loves him, and he is taking a beating. (laughs) So, yeah, we got a nice little split here. Good. You're going to have to do some math on this one. Good. In your fractions. (laughs) Let's see. What's a fraction of Herzog? (laughs) Just a Hertz. I gave it 4.75. You gave it 4.5. I did not. You gave it <laughs> you gave it 2.5. So usually I'm faking being bad at this math. I might need a second <laughs> because I'm literally bad at math. Let's see. Bring it on home, man. That would make it 7.25. Wait. Yeah. Seven and a quarter. Seven and a quarter out of ten. Have this ain't the, no math podcast. I don't have the excuse of being a boxer <laughs> <laughs> for being slow on that uptake. Muhammad and Larry by Albert Mazels and Bradley Kaplan. Yeah, that guy too. 7.25 out of 10 Herzogs. It feels right to me. Yeah, it seems okay. Drew, where can people get hold of them nuts? I mean, uh, how much are you offering? <laughs> your nuts, your online nuts. <laughs> you can listen to myself, my co-host Dave on Walk It Off on WXNA right here in Nashville, 101.5 FM. Every Sunday night, Sports Talk, or just check it out anytime online at WXNAFM.org, or get in touch with us personally on any of your social medias at Walk It Off Radio, except Snapchat. I don't know how to use that shit. It's like a bunch of bros just hanging around talking about sports. Good times, documenteer. Give us five. This is the only time it's okay to use stars is when you're giving us five stars on iTunes. You give us five stars on iTunes, maybe a little review, something quick can mean nothing like it could just say who farted question mark i give this podcast five five stars then do that for us it's a big help and we fucking love the shit out of you when you do that Ooh, we just daydream about you 
when you do things like that. Rate us on any app that you find us on. You should be able to find us on most of them at this point. You can also follow us at Documenteers on Instagram. Instagram is the one I use the most. There is a Twitter out there. It's been a little dry. Look, I fucking hate most social networks. I feel like I'm just now hitting the stride with the Instagram. But if you want to find out basically anything about extra content we're doing or episodes before they come out, then follow us at Documenteers on Instagram for more. And if you have any suggestions, recommendations, or long-winded praise, you can email us at documenteerspodcast at gmail. And we'd love to hear any documentary recommendations that you have. A few people have been reaching out to us and have been very nice to us. And we just want to say thank you very much. We love you. Or trying to fight you. Or try. they might be trying to fight me. I'll know that when someone wants to beat my ass that we've really made it. <laughs> I was going to say don't be old and get in a boxing ring. But if they're offering you $8 million, I kind of understand why they might be doing it. Yeah, let's go. Do it right now, today. Keep on docking. What did we do to Iraq? Preemptive strike, preemptive ads, right? Uh, made up this uh, story about WMDs. Yeah. So we tell the world that we have, uh, we try to start rumors that we have weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. And we will not give them up until Adam and Eve sponsors us so we can talk about <laughs> dildos on air. Adam and Eve would be one I would accept heartily. I'd be real erotic. I bet it. you'd accept that heartily. I'm going to play something. Well, the I'm going to play something for the cousin. Bullet the dog sound. I'm going to play something for the cousin. We built this city. We built this city. I'm going to play something for the cousin. I'm going to play something for the cousin. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. I'm going to play something for the cousin. Come on now.